we've had multiple people on this show that have exited their business, but we've never had anyone that has exited their business for not seven figures, not eight figures, but nine figures. Adam Feinberg sold his business uh, Web Deals Direct to Perch for over $100 million and we interviewed him on the show. I think you're really going to enjoy it. The podcast is sponsored by Incrementum Digital. IncrementumDigital.com is a growth engine for brands on Amazon and other marketplaces like Walmart. We are also starting to beta test and having some great results with Google ads to Amazon, seeing some great rankings from it, uh, as well as full brand management, creative work, uh, auditing uh, accounts, uh, actually for for some big companies, uh, and all things marketing on Amazon and Walmart. Uh, check out incrementumdigital.com, my agency. Um, also check out 8fig. 8fig.co uh, is a company I'm an advisor and shareholder in, and they are the best solution in the space for growth capital for your business, along with tools and technology to help you with your uh, supply chain. Some of the incredible things that 8fig does is they give you a ton of flexibility as things come up in your business to make changes to your payments. It's very, very cost effective um, and just a, a very different way to um, offer growth capital to sellers. Instead of looking at your past history, they actually look at projections of the business and they tend to give you much higher offers than some of the competitors out there um, that are helping with growth capital. Check out 8fig.co. Enjoy this episode with Adam Feinberg, who sold to Perch. Okay, so we have today with us on the show, Adam Feinberg. Uh, Adam Feinberg uh, just recently finished a sale of his business, Web Deals, um, direct to Perch. Uh, that business in just five years uh, was able to, to scale to over $80 million in revenue and over 30 brands in multiple categories, um, including some products you've probably heard of, like the Space Saver, FlexiHose, Zap It. Um, the portfolio of brands has over 110,000 reviews uh, with 2.3 uh, million plus customers uh, served uh, to, to date. Um, and in May of this year, um, there was a, an acquisition to, um, to Perch. Uh, welcome to the show, Adam. All right. Thank you for having me here. Pleasure to be on. Awesome. And um, yeah, this is, this is uh, definitely tops one of the um, largest deals, uh, you know, in the, in the, um, FBA, uh, FBA space. Um, you know, how, how, uh, when did you start, uh, web deals? We'd love to hear a little bit of, uh, of background, um, and how you came to sort of be, um, you know, sounds like the, the original, uh, you know, aggregator or, or roll up of, uh, of brands, except it sounds like you, you built those brands, uh, from the bottom up. Um, sure. Uh, I I um, have a wife who's a physician, and we lived a pretty hectic life with, at the time, two small children in the D.C. metro area. Um, I was working for uh, um, Accenture. It's a big IT consulting firm. And we basically had nannies and babysitters raising our kids. And about 11 years ago, um, I decided to um, resign and kind of be a stay-at-home dad. And I started a uh, a search engine optimization slash digital marketing agency on the side mm -hmm. um, to keep myself busy and turn a little bit of money. I never envisioned it would be too much, but um, I got pretty good at SEO. And um, at one point, the business was doing about two to three million dollars in annualized revenues. Mm -hmm. um, I started that in 2010 and it was going pretty strong up until about 2014 ish. Um, Google started to make some changes to their platform to discourage um, search engine optimization and focus more on um, paid advertising and give that was give that was the penguin and panda sort yeah. of hit. Yeah, penguin and panda made the business a lot more difficult. Mm -hmm. um, we started we stopped taking clients for SEO about then, uh, and I, I proceeded to do a, a lot of lead generation. Uh, I still have probably about six or seven SEO clients down from I think three or four hundred at one point, mm -hmm. and wow. uh, so not too many, mostly just some friendly ones. And um, I started a lead generation business with my one of my friends, Travis Killian, who's a really successful Amazon oh, seller. Yep, he's, I know Travis. Yeah, he sold. Yeah, he sold uh, his business um, 
about, I think about six or eight months before me, were really good friends. Mm-hmm. And I was actually the one that got him into selling um, on Amazon. I recommended it to him. Mm-hmm. The way we kind of got started out is I had a, I have a partner, Richard Bell. Um, he was, he was running the SEO business in, in the United Kingdom. And he had some friends who started doing really well on Amazon in like 2013, 2014. Um, they signed up to some mastermind group, took some trips to Vegas. Um, he put down not that much money and started making like a thousand dollars profit a day selling swim caps and swim goggles. Mm-hmm. And was laughing that he was barely doing anything and making as much money as we were doing doing SEO. So that kind of intrigued me, especially when Panda and Penguin kind of hit and made the SEO business much more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, I moved Richard off of our SEO business and he started um, sourcing products for Amazon. And in 2014, we started selling at the beginning of 15. Um, we started really, really small. Um, Travis also started really, really small. And both of us were able to scale our businesses close to $100 million um over like five six year period so it's definitely at least at the time that we started doing it was possible to do something like that now it's a lot more difficult i think we started the pro i think the first two products we launched i ordered a thousand units of each one and maybe like our total spend including shipping and marketing was like 30 grand at the most Mm -hmm. we started selling in the united kingdom um we were kind of nervous to sell in the u.s because the volumes were bigger there um, we had really modest goals. We were just trying to make $10 profit on 10 unit sales a day of each SKU. And we had two SKUs. And if we could figure out how to get that to work, we thought we could scale it to maybe like 20. And if the SEO business went to zero, then we wouldn't have to go get real jobs. So I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty modest, um, like our intention. Um, the third or fourth product we launched uh, was called Space Saver, which is now probably like a $40 million brand on Amazon. Um, it's a vacuum storage bag brand. They're particularly popular in the United Kingdom. And um, we had some really good initial success with that. We weren't like number one in the UK, but maybe at the time we were like the third or fourth bestseller. Mm-hmm. And we decided to try it in the US along with some of the other products that we had some initial success on the time in, in the UK. So we kind of got the U.S. seller account going in the fall of 2015. At that time, the policies on Amazon were much different than they are now in that you could do product giveaways in exchange for a review that was not really an honest right. review. It was more like a trade for right. not like a five-star review. Right. And we did some giveaways on a bunch of different products in like the October and November timeframe. And we scaled them pretty high. We just said... How many reviews do we need to be competitive in the niche that we are entering mm-hmm. and, and be number one? And then we came up with some good brands and um, we had a pretty good graphic designer. And as example, Space Saver, I remember specifically, we started the product giveaway around the 25th of October. And by Halloween, we were the number one seller on Amazon. So, I mean, just to tell you like how much more difficult it is now that something like that could take you like multiple years pricing low and, and try, you know, and running like ads at high spends to try to get visibility, you were able to do it super duper quickly back then if you were aggressive. Yep. So we just saw it as like a one-time opportunity. We kind of saw that like in SEO, in SEO probably like in like 2008, 9, 10, when I first started getting started in it, mm-hmm. it was just like really, really, really simple to get awesome results. Yep. And so we just started after we had some initial results in the UK the lead gen work and my SEO business, um, we were fortunate enough that we were making like maybe $80,000, $100,000 a month profit. I started moving all of it into Amazon, like pretty much immediately after we had like proof of concept that this product giveaway, good branding, good product graphic model kind of worked. And it wasn't nearly as competitive six years ago as it is now. So basically we had nothing in the US and then by six weeks later, we had like five or six different good products and different niches. Um, some of them are like the main products that we sell on Amazon still through WebWheels Direct. And by I think by Christmas, we ran out of stock. We just like super underplanned um, what mm-hmm. we were doing, but we were making like $3,000 profit a day, which was like beyond our wildest dreams and much better than I'd ever done in SEO in like the five years I've been doing SEO at the time. 
maybe I guess six or seven years in SEO. So we didn't really know much about Chinese New Year, which was pretty frustrating for us. We thought we could just order more inventory. So by the time we got back in stock in April of 2016 and really got rolling, um, we weren't really in stock until like the second quarter. We were able to do about $10 million in our first series here on Amazon, and which again was really like in like nine months. And um, we just really continued like the same type of model and it lasted until like the end of 2016. So we had another year of just basically throwing all the money that we were making off the SEO business and from our other Amazon sales and reinvesting it and doing gigantic product giveaways. And by the time Amazon changed their policy, started deleting all the mm -hmm. um, unverified reviews that were on the platform in 2017, it didn't really matter because maybe we had a thousand unverified reviews in Space Saver, but we had 2000 verified real reviews at that point. We picked, right. we picked good products. Fortunately, the reviews that were real were good and we were, we had successful market leader products. So it was a, it was a super duper exciting time for us. And the biggest challenge going into like 2017 was we didn't have sufficient capital. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, Amazon businesses were not taking seriously at all. It's like the exact opposite of like what's going on in the market now where like $10 billion is going in and right. private equity and VCs and all that stuff. Um, I, I went, we were banking at Bank of America. I went to them and showed them in 2017 that like halfway through the year, we've made $2 million profit. And we had like all these successful products already going. And all I needed to do was more order more inventory because I couldn't fund it quickly enough. Mm -hmm. And they said, sign over your house and your, um, your retirement plan from when you used to work at Accenture um, as collateral or you can't have anything. Mm -hmm. That was really, really frustrating. Um, I tried some of the smaller banks and um, was able to secure a 500K loan um, which is a pretty small loan compared to like how much profit we were making at the time. Right. The year when we were going to make like um, $4 million to only get 500 K. And, but that was like, that was like super exciting for us to be able to get anything. Um, we had a dog training product at the time that we needed a half a million dollars in inventory to keep it in stock. So it pretty much went for that. Um, and then the next step for us, we still saw that like Amazon was still a great, opportunity even though it wasn't as easy as the year before and we wanted to keep launching products and we developed a pretty good like repeatable model but we the money we borrowed was just enough to kind of keep afloat what we already had going so i started bringing in um and presenting the business informally to um, formal people i worked with in the consulting space and also some um, friends and relatives and um, between them we came up with a couple million dollars of additional investment which kind of pushed through the growth into 2018 and um by then we were like up into like the 30 million and making maybe like six million dollars a year and it really had scaled into like a real business we started doing our own um logis logistics with our own warehouse in 2017 so by 2018 we had like a 38,000 square foot warehouse um an offshore customer service team, um, and then like warehouse employees of like maybe like eight or 10. So it was, it was, it was really turning into something, but um, it had, it was super exciting, but then it still had its challenges with even the capital I got from my friends wasn't enough. And then the other concern was um, my partner and I had was 99% um, of our net worth was in this Amazon business. You couldn't get any of your money out of it. And then despite the business making like five, six million bucks a year, uh, we weren't really paying ourselves very much at all. In fact, I think I was paying myself less than when I was running the SEO business that was making less than one tenth as much profit like two years before. Um, it was just like, we were just like doubling and tripling and quadrupling down. So um, we, attended, um, uh, we attended a conference in Vegas, the Prosper Show in 2018. Mm -hmm. um, I went with um, Travis Killian's partner, Joe, actually. Yeah. And then and then, um, and then also um, my Joe, partner, who likes to race cars. Yeah. Yeah. He's an awesome race car driver. Yes. 
I'm actually going and staying at his house next month. And also nice. I'm very excited to do that. Um, yeah, we, we kind of have like a friendly rivalry going on, but at the same time, we kind of like share best practices. They've been like my best, best partner on Amazon for the whole entire time. Yeah. And, that's awesome. Yeah. He, really great guys, but I'm kind of like their uncle because I'm like almost 50 and uh, I'm like <laughs> 16, 17 years older than those guys. Right. Yeah. So anyway, um, we were at the Prosper show and Joe and um, my, my partner, Rich and I were at this dinner for big sellers. Big seller at the time was considered 5 million bucks. Right. So we've, the market's gone a long way from then. Um, mm -hmm. We met a lot of sellers that were kind of doing similar stuff that we were doing on a small scale. Didn't really learn anything from them. And then all of a sudden we met somebody from, um, I don't want to give the name of the supplement company, but um, it was a supplement company, um, previous store owner. And he said that he sold um, a little bit over 50% of his business to um, a private equity firm. And he now had like $25 million and he still owned like 40% of the business. And um, he wanted to launch all these additional supplements and before he didn't have any money to do so. And now they were funding everything he said mm -hmm. and he was running the business almost unchecked the same way it was before, other than reporting out to them in a way that didn't sound significantly worse than reporting to the bank every month. Mm -hmm. So we were super duper pumped to try that there was no aggregator model at that at any time and right. i didn't really want to exit the e-commerce business because you know it was, it was so exciting and growing it seemed like a wonderful lifetime thing so mm -hmm. um about the same time because joe was there joe and travis and rich and i both contacted um a bunch of um investment banking firms and started interviewing them and basically started the process where we were going to sell like a majority stake in our business, stay involved in it, cash out some, get some money. And that was, and that was kind of the plan. And um, we went through a whole big process to do that. Like went through a quality of earnings review, which was kind of like a audit light. And I hired a company called um, Gold Star Group. Um, I worked with Scott Winship there and um, they put together probably like a 200 page deck presenting like why someone should get involved in, um, invest in an Amazon business and Travis and Joe were doing it at roughly the same time. And basically the universe of who everything was getting presented to was pretty much like the same group of potential buyers. And my experience back then was there was a lot of lookers, but there was not that many interesting parties in investing in an Amazon business. They kind of thought they were like fly by the pants, fly by the pants risky, which mm -hmm. you know, I, I agreed with that too. It seemed you know, you're on Amazon, you don't own the platform, anything could happen. Right. And um, we thought we had a really exciting offer about the same time as Travis and Joe got their offer with um, Guardian. And um, our offer fell through and theirs didn't. And Guardian approached us. They're a really progressive, great um, private equity company. They're kind of, well, looking a couple of years in the future and thought it would be a good opportunity to acquire us both. But I kind of wanted to stay out of interfering with Joe and Travis's deal. So we said, finish your deal and we'll talk to you, you know, like in six months or something. So um, that was like 2019. And then all of a sudden, like COVID hit. And the business just like took a giant leap forward that I thought would take like five more years, like to go from $40 million in sales a year to about 80, like instantaneously. Um, we got kind of got a double bump in 2019, I mean, 2020, um, Amazon started um, combining the their reviews from various countries together. So if you had sold in Canada and you sold in Europe and you sold in the US, instead of having separate ratings in each country, all of a sudden all the ratings would total up. And so um, we, we had started selling in the UK and Europe, as I said at the beginning of the, the podcast before the US. And so we had a lot of reviews there. And um, all this, and we had started in Canada in 2017. So all of a sudden, products that um, maybe had like 2,000 reviews in the U.S. would have like five, six thousand. And combined with the fact that we had a, a warehouse and we were stocking maybe like six, eight months of product, and um, 
when COVID hit, like we had huge advantages because a lot of our competitors were running out of stock and we had sufficient stock. And um, we got, we went to the point like where our sales like were up like two, 300% in the summer and spring of 2020 versus 19. It was just unbelievable. And it could have been even more, but we just didn't have really enough stock even to keep up with what they had, what the mm-hmm. demand was then when everyone was locked up at home. Right. So from at, at that point, you know, we put together some profit numbers that were like unbelievable. We were not only selling like as much as we could ship into Amazon, but like we were barely running any ads because like there wasn't a lot of competition in our, in our pro- or even though our sales had doubled, our profits had tripled. Mm-hmm. So we decided we would, you know, we would explore selling again at the, at this point. And um, we, the, the first thing that happened to us is we were approached by some, there was a lot of people out there in the summer of 2020 that were looking to start competing aggregators to Thrasio, who at, mm-hmm. at the time was like really the only player in the niche, in my opinion, in like the summer 2020. Right. And I got approached by someone who was like, a young guy, less than 30 years old, um, who was get Harvard MBA, Goldman Sachs type guy, really nice, smart guy. And um, he was just talking us into like selling half the business to him and then basically becoming a roll-up company ourselves. Mm-hmm. We already had 30 brands. Right. Uh, about 25 of them are brands we come up ourselves. And then um, when, I, when we tried to sell the business the previous year, I had some friends who had some brands that sold them to us. Cause we thought like if we went to market with more scale, then it would make sense. So web deals direct is about 25, um, about 25 brands developed internally and about five that were acquired like in like 18 and 19 mostly. Mm-hmm. So um, we, we, you know, so that was also a selling point for him that we brought like five, like five other brands into the business and like, we were able to like bring them on pretty seamlessly. So we started going through like a due diligence process with them. And um, their investors started to have a lot of concerns the better we did during that summer and fall because, you know, they had to pay us on a multiple based on that. And then all of a sudden, right. all of a sudden our, our profits were approaching $20 million annualized, which was just like way out of line with the previous year when it was like $6 million. So unfortunately, we had so much success that we scared away the, our, we scared away the investors and the whole roll up thing fell apart. But while we were exploring it, I became a lot more nervous about about the about the competitiveness of buying other Amazon brands. To be honest, we um, we started we before we kind of closed the deal. We kind of wanted to do a proof of concept, and you know we weren't actively marketing like Perch or Thrasio or some of these other companies do, where they're like all over the place at shows and mailing you stuff and emailing you. But we were at least going to brokers and seeing what was available for sale. Mm-hmm. And businesses that were going for three X were all of a sudden like um, difficult to buy at four and a half X. And it seemed like the ones that I was particularly interested in were getting bid up even to five X at the, at the end of 2020. So I kind of came to the conclusion that, the, that there was a lot deeper pockets in this than um, investors for the company that wanted to buy us. And this mm-hmm. isn't really, the, this isn't really the model that I wanted to go. And I kind of felt thankful. I said, this was nice exploring being an aggregator for three months, but I don't really want to do this. I'd right. rather do like a private equity mark model, like um, Travis and Joe on um, the way we talked about. So we went back and um, brought in Scott from Gold Star Group again and re-engaged. And there was a lot more interest than there was the previous year, especially with like Thrasio um, leading the way and raising so much capital, even at that point. Mm-hmm. But again, we kind of ran into the same problems where it was like, okay, we really want to invest in you, but we're not going to pay like a 6x, 7x, 8x multiple on your business now because your profits are up triple for COVID and we don't believe in that. So we'll be glad to pay you a multiple based on how you were doing last year or make it be like a huge earnout component. So it wasn't really, um, they're just really, really cautious, which, and then they have at the same time, all these aggregators are coming in from Amazon and they're being super duper aggressive. So it's kind of the opposite, right? But that's kind of how we switched over to let's consider an aggregator. I mean, at the time I thought like an aggregator couldn't buy a business like us. Um, But we started approaching some of the bigger ones 
and some of the medium-sized ones probably could now buy us but like a year ago they probably couldn't mm -hmm. and so we talked to some about selling off individual brands like just buy space saver or something and i didn't really want to do that because um at the at the time we were moving into a really large 230,000 square foot warehouse and i would be taking away a bunch of my revenue and keeping a bunch of my costs so it was kind of like i wanted to have a deal that 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 um wouldn't put me under so much financial pressure um like removing some of the assets also um we we through the investment banker scott we had developed a really great relationship with east west bank um and they they started loading us pretty um pretty sufficient capital to grow the business mm -hmm. or we couldn't have expanded this, this inventory through the COVID year and we were up to like about 20 million dollars in debt so we had you know a hundred thousand dollar a month payroll 200 i mean one hundred sixty thousand dollar a month rent you know so and then we owed we owed about two hundred thousand dollars in debt payments or something so you know it was really a strategy we had to we had to either go to a private equity firm who's going to take a majority stake and be responsible for all this, or we were going to have to sell the whole business. Right. And um, Perch was, Perch appeared in the future. You know, they appeared, they appeared and they told us that they, they could do a transaction like this. And um, I was super duper skeptical, skeptical of it because um, they never acquired anything nearly the size. But, you know, we met with them a lot. We explained to them the, the warehouse model we had, the 20 staff in the warehouse. Um, we had a small IT team, six people offshore doing customer service. And um, they saw a lot of advantages of picking up um, resources that had all the skill sets. In addition to like the warehouse resources, we had, we had built up a team of about five staff that I would consider professional staff that were doing marketing, logistics, managing shipments, dealing with issues with Amazon. So um, Perch didn't have a lot of people, you know, with real Amazon experience um, at that time in their portfolio of staff. So that was appealing to them. Also, they were using a lot of 3PLs as are a lot of the other, um, mm -hmm. a lot of the other aggregators and right. having, you know, a 235,000 square foot warehouse of your own is strategic in a lot of different ways, especially like within an hour of Long Beach in California. Right. So that was interesting to them. Um, and really the, the biggest factors and why I went with Perks is um, they, they were really excited about taking the warehouse and our staff over and keeping comparative salary and benefits for them. I wanted to make sure everyone had like a good place to land and we're, happy with the transaction from the employee side. And then another huge component was um, if I'm really going to sell the entire business, which I was a little hesitant to do still. So I really enjoyed selling on Amazon. To me, it was like a dream come true, not something you wake up and dread. Right. Um, I wanted to be able to start other Amazon businesses and that they were actually super duper supportive of as long as we didn't go sell exactly the same stuff because, you know, they would, ideally want to have a good relationship with me and acquire that later also. And, you know, they figured if we grew a business to 80 million in five years, once we got all this capital from the sale, we could do something great again. So everything kind of, everything kind of aligned for that. Um, and, um, you know, the multiple was a little bit less than private equity, but when you factored in um, the fact that we were selling the whole business, it was a pretty reasonable offer. And um, I thought the model that we developed with them where Richard and I would stay on initially on a full-time capacity, which is past. And now we're working with them for about 20 more months part-time was, mm -hmm. you know, was a good fair model and would be more likely for them to be successful, you know, and I want the business to be successful. And then obviously the way most deals are set up is there are some financial incentives for, if you know the business does well after the sale, you'll get more money, et cetera. Right. So we're we're kind of at that point right now. Um, the like the earnout period started two months ago. They've brought on about about um, like 
they brought on like three full-time people to kind of do the jobs that Rich and I were doing. And then they also have some really experienced people that are involved in the store, but kind of manage a, a function across like the perch platform. So like Rich and I were really good at a bunch of different things, but you know, we weren't an expert in, in, um, every single area that they're developing experts in. Right. That's pretty helpful. And then they also have people that are just doing things like, um, their full-time job is to just do like, um, conversion optimization. So they're like taking all of our products and having like new versions of the images built, and then they're putting them on PicFu and then testing them and then are going to bring them back on Amazon. And I mean, we've, we dabbled in all that kind of stuff, but, um, if they have people that can do that, that are doing it across like 70, 80, 90 brands, instead of just our store, you know, they kind of have more expertise than, than we could have done in shop. So, right. so far I've been, I've been pretty excited about it. Still like on our end, there's stuff that, you know, that we have experience doing that they don't. And I think like the collaboration is pretty good and I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with, with the model. And, um, they're moving like the staff over next year to a model where um, all the formal web deals direct staff are going to have um, access to like perch um, mm -hmm. stock options in the event they go public and all that similar to all their other employees that they're bringing on. So I think like from the perspective of, of like the former web deals direct staff, they're pretty, they're pretty happy with like working with perch and mm -hmm. it's pretty, it's pretty collaborative. Um, I've, I feel like they're kind of getting my permission before we do something and mm -hmm. they have lots of like good, good ideas. And sometimes they want to try something that I don't agree with as far as like different pricing strategies or stuff like that. And we're doing more testing. Maybe the stuff that they're suggesting is going to work and maybe after a month it's not going to work, but um, kind of rich and I with, with a lot less staff are doing, we're doing a lot more from like kind of from the gut mm -hmm. and they're kind of doing it more, you know, they have kind of like a more defined process that they're using like over across the store. So I think, I think it's like a, a really, really, um, you know, win-win situation. I, th I think that they'll do well. Um, the Amazon climate's a lot more difficult than last year. Yeah. The, the advertising costs are up, the yep. costs are up, but you know, I, 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 expect that we'll outperform what we did for 2021 next year so i'm pretty confident and, and excited about it and, and um you know you mentioned to me before before we hit record that um you recently started um a couple of new brands um you know you mentioned that it's not as easy to to launch today yet you were able to launch a new brand um one of those uh one of those products i looked at was ranked 200 in kitchen um and you, you only launched it uh very recently so what's been kind of like your your approach to to launching to to get you know it looks like that product built up like a thousand plus um you know reviews since since you launched it in the summer um or or sort of uh yeah it looks like you launched it last fall went out of stock and then kind of came back in yeah. Um, came back in this uh, this spring. What's been the approach to sort of ramp up now on Amazon versus for like when you got started? Okay, Where well, uh, I think like the first thing I think is like branding is really important. So if you're lucky enough to have a bunch of capital, like planning out like your branding strategy of what you may or may not sell over like the next three years is important. So mm -hmm. we're like investigating a lot of potential niches that we may or may not do. And then like, I think the brand is clear space and we're selling plastic storage containers. So that just gives it, just having a good brand. Um, instead you of- think like, the, You think the brand name there was- Yeah, I think, like, the, I think the brand, like the actual brand name, I think is very valuable. And uh, like in giving, in giving trust versus like some other nonsensical brands that are selling the same thing. Right, and then and then if all other aspects of the listing, the the images, the A plus content are all sound like professionally done and an American company, mm -hmm. that that seems to help a lot. And then um, we developed a bunch of different images for like for like the initial images. We worked with um, 
pick through a bit testing mm -hmm. and um, that seems to work and we tested our images against and our branding against other competitors in PicFu, and we knew like that ours were getting picked before there. So kind of like when we went to market, um, we knew we had something that was a winning product as far as the convert, what we thought would convert. And then, you know, we did a lot of product testing of our quality of our product against others. And mm -hmm. we thought our product was a little bit better. Yeah. And you that, had, product, yeah. that product, I think has a 4.8 rating. Uh, 4.9. You're showing five stars, which has got to be super, super yeah, powerful. So, so, you know, we thought it was a little bit better to, we looked at a couple of different options of sourcing. We picked like the most expensive thing mm -hmm. and we're pricing a little bit higher than our competitors. Uh -huh. But I think there's a big market in Amazon and it's not the biggest market. But Premium. The market that, that we've tried to hit in is I would call it like the Target market. Right. Like they're willing to, pay a little bit more for something that's perceived to be better, but you know, like you're not going to charge $99 for it, but right. if you're charging 39 and someone's charging 29 and you have a good brand and you have a little bit better reviews and your mm -hmm. listing looks trustworthy, then, then, you know, it's a convenient shopper. They're right. They're, they're, they're willing to buy it. And then like the, from, a, from a review standpoint and from like an initial marketing standpoint, we're typically, um, unfortunately planning for a product to not make any money for a while. Uh -huh. And, and, and money so I think that's important. I think it's important for people to hear, um, how, how long, what's your sort of like, how long are you willing to go without making, you know, is it six months? Is it, is it a year? Is it product dependent? What's, um, I mean, I'm in a real fortunate situation. So if I ran something for a year, it wouldn't bother me because we sold for a lot, you know? Right, but, but I, I would be prepared that in a lot of instances, like having a product that just floats around breaking even six months on the marketplace, in order to invest in getting a thousand reviews is worth doing. If you can, right. if you if you can afford to do it, because um, in some ways you have to be able to afford to do it today, right? Like because people like you, there are many yeah. out there that are willing to do it that are willing to invest even if you didn't you know sell your business for uh you know it's for for a huge transaction there are people that are that are saying okay we're going to invest you know fifty thousand a hundred thousand one hundred fifty thousand into this product until we accumulate enough reviews to be relevant and yeah. you know if you're going into a niche where that's the case then you're, you're not you won't make it with 15 grand yeah what i think is good what i think is good actually and I'm super duper supportive of all the things that have happened on the platform as far as review cleanup in like the last uh -huh. six months, because a lot of the competitors and a lot of the niches, especially the Chinese that we were competing with are, are now deleted from the platform. So like mm -hmm. all of a sudden, like as an example, the grill man brand has the most reviews of like any product and grill covers. Mm -hmm. And like at the beginning of the year, we had like the fourth most. Right. So it's kind of like the slow, it's kind of like the slower game. Right, but I think this—I think the slower game, better planned out game wins on Amazon. Unfortunately, they're like the the whole like what I did in 2015, 16, like become number one really quick or do a cheat way with reviews to do that. That that seems gone. I don't mm -hmm. think it's sustainable. It's very difficult. You're going to get caught at some point. The the better the better play is plan out your stuff in advance. Make sure you have your brand registry and and your IP, spend a lot of time, make sure you pick a really good product, do testing before you even came over to the platform so mm -hmm. that you know it's going to succeed. Um, have a plan where you have sufficient capital to advertise even at a loss for X amount of time without like running into a problem. And if you don't, it's really the wrong space. But really what's happened is I had a lot of friends in 2017, 18-ish, I was getting on the platform. Just they said, "What are you doing?" I told them. They had maybe 30, 40 thousand bucks. They were able to come on the platform and do really well. And mm -hmm. some of them, like even my my friend Duncan, I'm doing the clear space thing with. He started with like 40, 50 thousand, and now he's like a multimillionaire. He's 28. Mm -hmm. um, I have friends that have tried coming on the platform in the last 12 and 18 months, and most of them have lost money and given up. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just like the small fry game, at least in the United States, is mostly over. If you can succeed, 
and you only have 20, 30, $40,000 in the US launching a product, you're either really good or really lucky or, you know, or even both. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually encourage people who like want to sell, um, you know, as like a part-time side gig to like start in Canada. Mm-hmm. And, That's a good idea. And um, I, I just tell them like the same idea that I had in 2015, 16. I said, we do like, we're, we're doing like six, $7 million in web deals direct in Canada. There's definitely an opportunity that you could make you could launch a handful of products and make hundred K a year in Canada and just start with like a thousand units each. Mm-hmm. And it's an English market. So it's not that difficult. It's pretty easy to import into Canada. The, the requirements as far as GST are not that complicated and the competition in Canada compared to the U S is like one twentieth. Mm-hmm. People don't take Canada really seriously. Cause it's maybe like eight, 10% market share. Right. It's growing for sure. I've seen, seen the same. So I, I think that's uh, good advice. Yeah. I tell them, I tell them Canada first choice, UK second choice. It's a little bit more complicated. There's starting to be a lot more requirements for importing and a lot more issues with like um, all the Euros vote zone stuff and um, Brexit and all that. But like, I, I would say start in the U S last, or even if you want to sell in the U S like a good strategy that, we've tried a little bit in, and I think it's a good strategy is like, you could go and try to sell a bunch in Canada and the UK first, and then get like 500 reviews between the both because the reviews share and enter the U S market right. like a year later. Right. Yes. So, so that you don't have, that's another good, another good strategy, but yeah, just going into the most, most competitive U S market where everybody is. Um, I mean, like what I was seeing happen with my friends is they have a product. They did a good job with branding. They had borderline sufficient inventory and they didn't have enough money to, after they didn't make money, like marketing it, like the first six weeks, they like didn't want to, they like were very hesitant to like keep doubling, tripling down on it. Right. So, and then, and then they would just lose money and it's difficult. It's difficult. It's kind of sad because I thought one of the best parts of the Amazon market is, that it was like a fantastic side hustle for, you know, for people to gradually, you know, become full-time in, or I had friends that like had six figure jobs doing it work and also had like their lunchbox on the side, making 40, 50,000 bucks a year. But that, that seems to be dead or very close mm-hmm. unless you're doing like an, unless you're doing a strategy selling in the secondary market. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it sounded like you, uh, built this, uh, you know, multi-brand uh, business built it up, sold to Perch, went went right back, uh, right back um, into it. Um, and you know, I think the story is um, s- super inspiring, um, and and obviously shows there is still opportunity to get in. You know, two products in you know Amazon just share has grown as more people are buying e-commerce uh, and and switching as COVID happened and still opportunity to get in with with products i mean you you got into um i wouldn't say you have a highly innovative product right you're selling plastic storage bins but you did the branding the right way you did the creative the right way and you're willing to invest the money into the brand um you know to get enough relevancy to get those um you know organic sales and and um and conversions so it does really just show Mm -hmm. there is opportunity for those that do it right and do it better to, to still launch products Oh, definitely. But the other story, and you'll see it when we start to launch it, I don't want to give away all my products, Yeah. But, but we're trying to launch products that have substantial barriers to entry mm-hmm. so that, so that it's, um, that it's very difficult to compete. So we're a lot of the project products we're going to be selling are going to be in the hundred to $200 range as far as pricing on Amazon mm-hmm. and oversized and difficult yep. and expensive to import. And some of the products we're going to be importing, not even from China, but from like Turkey and India, because mm-hmm. they're, right. they're only sourced there. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of people can't do that. So yep. instead of having, instead of, instead of having like a hundred thousand competitors, you're gonna have like ten. Right. Gonna, and then I noticed that products that are like that, the the ads are much less competitive. The quality of the listings are worse because you don't have to be as good at marketing to sell a product for two hundred bucks because there's only three alternatives. Right. Instead of 200. Right. So th- that seemed kind of more interesting and exciting to me. 
and also even though there's all these different aggregators out there who are professionalizing listings they're mostly taking uh, mom and pop businesses that went into the market selling 15 to 50 dollar items and right. professionalizing those they're not i don't see a lot of aggregators that are launching products themselves they're more like doing innovations or like adding more colors or variations or yep. packaging or something. Yep. So they're, the, the, what the aggregators don't really want to do, I think, and this is even talking to Perch a bit, is they, they have to show fast results based on like the way their capital structure is mm-hmm. and the investors they need to please. So the whole idea of investing a million dollars into selling like a trampoline or something, as an example, Right. That's not going to, that's going to not pay that is going to do well, but it's not going to pay off for a year, year and a half. doesn't really fit into their model. They'd more like, okay, I picked this product out and it's doing fantastic in the U S but they didn't, they only had one, they only had one color and we could have had three colors and they weren't selling in Canada. We can move it to Canada in a month. Like they didn't do a good job with, they didn't do a good job with a plus content. They didn't have a video. I'm going to fix those things. Those those are the types of things the aggregators are doing well, but right. as far as like going into is like picking the best niches to go in, I, I don't think they're really incentivized to do that in the short run. Right, and I, I think what you see is those that have proven that they can do it really well are getting maybe more um, capabilities from their investors to you know the the thrashios of the world or or the purchase that will launch new new products. But I think as you said, a lot of the aggregators are focusing on just the low low hanging uh low hanging uh you know fruit um and then you know something that's come up also just even this week is um is the the new opportunity explorer i don't know if you've you've seen that yet from from amazon they announced it at their accelerate conference i had a chance to play with it a little bit amazon is now giving you search volume and trying to help people actually um go into niches If if you haven't played with that um get uh get access to it you there's actually an email um, you can send, um, I'll put it in the show notes too, and I, I'll, I'll share it with you. There's an email you can send to get access to it um, under the growth section of Seller Central. And then there's a opportunities beta. Most people don't have access to it yet, but that's also kind of like a, a game changer. So Amazon's trying to help you, I think, you know, find yeah. more of those niches. Yeah. What's well, in Amazon interest? Actually, Richard Bell, who's my partner, mm-hmm. him and I, but mostly him, we're like the very first pilots on that tool. Like oh, wow. uh-huh. last year, if you're a bigger store and you participate in SAS core and uh-huh. cooperative, you get invited to right. a lot of things like that. Yep. So he played around with it quite a lot and gave a lot of input into it. And what they're oh. really, what they're really trying to do is they're identifying areas where there's a lot of search volume. Right. And then when people are going and finding a result, there's not a lot of good results, especially mm-hmm. The results they're finding, they're finding have like bad reviews. Mm-hmm. But what they're trying to get you to do is like innovate. Right. And people, there are a lot of people searching for this, but then they're they're finding results, and they're and then the most of the products they're looking at have like a three five rating. So like if you could come in and actually have a good product, you would have all this kind of demand. And it's it's kind of different from like like what you would usually do on like a helium ten or jungle scout, where you're trying to find like some product where like a whole bunch of other people are already doing well and like becoming another guy, like in in that area, this is like Amazon saying, we want to give this information out because we know there's lots of shoppers for this stuff. And once they actually are searching for this, they're kind of disappointed with like what's available. So it's kind of, it's kind of like if you, if you could do a little bit of innovation, um, it's definitely like a really good tool and opportunity. And it kind of makes you think about things that like when you start looking through Jungle Scout, like don't appear like obvious at all. It's like a totally different set of products. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely something to consider, but you have to understand why Amazon's doing it. They're, right. they're trying to encourage more people to sell humidifiers where there's a million people selling humidifiers. They're trying to get you to, to and there's a million good options. They're, they're trying to pick get you to go to um, some categories where there's, there's almost nobody, but lots of demand. Right. Yeah. That, that's awesome. Um, well, thank you so much, um, uh, Adam, for, um, you know, coming, coming uh, uh, on and, and uh, 
sharing your uh, your story of, of building up your brand and, and the process of uh, of uh, selling to, to Perch, uh, as well as talking about the, the the new brand. Really appreciate you you coming on um, coming on the show. Um, and uh, thank you so much. I don't know if there's a- any final words for um, for sellers, but obviously super inspiring story. Um, you know that you uh, came on and shared with us. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. Um, I, I'm positive there's lots of room to succeed in this market, but you just really have to plan it out and have sufficient capital or work with partners or the appropriate small lending institution. And now there's a bunch of smaller lenders out there that are willing to lend to Amazon people. To, and yep. it's much more of a, of a serious business than it was even like 24 months ago. So yeah. don't don't just don't just think that you're gonna like take a punt and figure out why you're going along and you're gonna succeed. Those that was kind of like 2006, 17 days. Yeah, absolutely. I, actually, on the on the capital side, um, there's a company called Eight Fig. They're the kind of startup um, that's doing growth capital in a in a more innovative um, way. I'm actually uh, I might be biased because I'm a shareholder, but uh, I'm also a shareholder because they're they're actually innovative and. Um, have been lending to or offering growth capital to sellers, but not just based on your past performance, actually based on your projections. Um, and they have some supply chain planning tools and really help you really help look at the projections and our, our uh, funding based on that. So there's yeah a lot more solutions on the market today than, than there've been um, in, in the past. Um, yeah. yeah it's, it's becoming more, it's becoming more competitive, but then it's becoming more innovative as far yes. as, capital yeah sure yes absolutely well thank you so much uh adam for for coming on the show really uh, appreciate it okay thanks have a good weekend yeah you bye-bye. too thank you for listening to the show i will see you on the next episode of the e-commerce mindset podcast if you have not joined the e-commerce mindset facebook group check out the links in the show notes